Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome to the Blue Chip Academy, the Blueprints and Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. Today, we have UConn running back EJ Barthel in the building. Uh, It's going to be a a nice little episode today. We get to talk to him as the current running back coach. We had previous stops at the Carolina Panthers, Penn State University, Temple, and Rutgers. EJ, somebody that I worked with at uh, while at P- Penn State University, and we delivered the highest ranked uh, recruiting class in Penn State history. That included guys like Michael Parsons, Adafe Owe, uh, Pat Fryermuth, and prior to dominating the recruiting scene in college football, EJ, you know, got into the college game by being an entrepreneur and a coach in the North Jersey area, uh, coaching at powerhouse programs like Paramus, Bergen Catholic, and DePaul Catholic, while training elite athletes like Rashawn Gary, Jabril Peppers and making Fitzpatrick, to name a few. So today we're just going to welcome into the Blue Print to Success series, EJ Bartho. What's up? What's on, man? How's everything? Uh, I'm excited, man. I've been waiting to get on the show, man. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, man. So we're going to dive right into it. You already obviously know you had a pretty unique look on the football ecosystem, right? Coming up, you're a player. You played at Rutgers, uh, recruiting coordinator, uh, dealt with players at the NFL level, now at UConn. We just take it back to, you know, if for someone that's getting into the football ecosystem, what was one piece of advice that you would give to anybody that's getting into the football business and wants to take this thing serious that they can kind of bank on throughout the whole process, recruiting process, all the way up to professional ranks? You know, it's fun. that's funny that, that that topic seems to be coming up a lot uh, in the recruiting process. and um, with young coaches and uh, uh, veteran coaches, you know, how do I advance? What do I do? What are, you know, if, with all the things that I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to experience, the one thing I would say would be, would be, and I got this from coach rules is be where your feet are, like be where you are at right now and do a great job of doing what you're doing right now, whether that's you're a freshman in, in high school or you're in eighth grade, or or you're 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 on the JV team, or you're looking for a varsity spot. Um, it's I know we as it's human nature to look in advance, but I feel like a lot of times guys f- forget how important it is to master where they're at right now, so they can advance because they're looking ahead of times. So um, that that would be the one thing I would I say. That's critical, man. Just like I, I love the point that we're just saying, like be where your feet are. Right, we were just talking about like sharpening, like maximizing where you're at before you're worrying about the next steps or whatever the case may be. So it's like, like being in the moment, to be honest, right? Like a lot of times athletes are kind of, you know, athletes, coaches, whatever the case may be, might get focused, lost and looking at the next place or looking at the next move, whether it's a scholarship offer or going to the draft or 
you know, looking for that second contract. And like you said, being where you are is to produce the best thing that you can produce right there and pick up those skills for whatever that next opportunity is for you. Right. So that's not in vain and whenever you're doing, because it's all a part of the process. That's like, that's real good talk right there. So we just jump into the recruiting process. I mean, you came up as a player, right? Somebody that's had a different view on the recruiting process. Like again, as a player, as a recruiting coordinator, as a coach, also looking at it, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, from the NFL, from the NFL, NFL regards. So as a player, how was your recruiting process? You know, for me, it was tough, you know, because I, I was at, at a smaller school um, and, and played in an area where traditionally you have a lot of powerhouse programs. And I went to a, a really small school and I was kind of played out of position. So I played multiple positions just for the betterment of the team. Um, and I think there's positives and negatives to that. Um, uh, so and I also played a position that was kind of, a, you know, I, they say a dying breed at the time, which it seems to be coming back all of a sudden a uh, fullback. You know what I mean, uh, so. Uh, for me, I've always had to to prove my to prove my spot or earn my spot in, in multiple fashions, whether it be coming from a small school and trying to play Division One and um, and trying to earn a scholarship, and then also trying to uh, become a professional, um, not getting drafted, having to work out uh, try out with the Giants, and then um, having to earn my spot in UFL. Uh, Coach Fossil uh, for the uh, Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Locomotives, and um, so there, you know. It's it's been from a player standpoint to me. It's I've had to work for every ounce of success I've gotten. And, you know, I've, I was recruited by a couple of small schools: Hofstra, UMass, um, uh, Rutgers, um, uh, Delaware. Nothing huge, and that was really it for me. You know what I mean? So um, I had to really kind of earn my keep, and that that kind of factors into my coaching style. Um, it also, you know, there's an, there's a human part of recruiting that, you know, you, you find a, a connection with guys that are high effort guys, right? There's, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, uh, positivity I've learned from that. So when you're thinking about that coming up in where you were in the, in the area of Jersey and you're saying like, you know, it was like the Hofstra's and the schools like that. Were you looking around at the other players maybe that were getting recruited that were like, oh, how is he getting this offer from this bigger school and, and different things like that? I guess Twitter and Facebook where guys are posting offers wasn't a big thing, you know, when you're coming out of high school, but like, like, did you feel that you should be getting like attention from D1 schools or bigger schools? And for that, there's matter? no, there's no, it's, I had, I told this story to my brother on Thanksgiving. I, you know, I, there is, I don't want to mention names and, and call people out, but there's a couple <laughs> guys I played with in the pros that, uh, that, that are from my area that were big time prospects out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember like every Saturday or Sunday, whatever it was, reading the papers. And I'll get like a little mention and I see like pictures of other dudes and I'm like, man. And then, you know, I, it's funny how things work out. Cause I remember being on a plane with those guys and, 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 and going to trials with those guys and out and making teams that those guys didn't make. And uh, so it motivated me uh, at the end of my career. It's something I held on to, to took it personal. <laughs> That's all. I mean, that's true. That's awesome. Yeah. So like when you're talking about, you know, the recruiting process, I mean, you're looking around, you see the different people that you're competing against. Obviously, you know, you had the schools that were like at the Hofstra level that were kind of recruiting you. And then you had, you know, you went you know, northeast. So you got the Rutgers, you got the Penn States, the Pitts or that around in that area, Temples. When did you feel like the, the process got serious? When, when did you like kind of wrap your head around like, all right, this is like a real football business. Like this process is serious. I need to, you know, put some real skin in the game. You know, I think that um, I think it had to be about my sophomore year when um, when I really started to grow and 
um, you know, high school uh, college coaches would bump me when they would when they when they get into school. And, you know, I was an academic issue kid, not because I wasn't intelligent, but I didn't try it as hard as I should have. I uh, didn't have the best, you know, you know like uh, I got to guidance in that department. So I felt like uh, when schools would literally tell me that I got no chance to get in there. Like to this day, I, I remember a story with Coach Foley, who I ended up working with at the Carolina Panthers and at Temple. Funny, you know, funny, I think, circle back. Um, he, You know, I remember him like he offered me a scholarship to, to Fordham and then basically told me, uh, you know, I can't get you into school. So. This is on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's when I realized, like, this is a business. You know? Yeah, it's real. It's, yeah, it's real. It's real business. Like when they say go to class, do all these things, like, oh, I mean, it stops me from an opportunity opening the doors. That's well, that's a pretty, you know, that's a that's a, you know, eye opening experience to be like, you know, the, the business is serious. Right. When you're talking about the recruiting process in general. No question. How, how informed did you feel going through the process? Uh, you know, I, I really, you know we didn't have a lot of resources uh, growing up and, and not a lot of experience. Um, like I said, I went to a smaller school, my high school coach did a fantastic job of, of getting me in front of the right people. You know what I mean? Uh, Jim Bonanno did a great, fantastic job of recruiting. And, you know, back then it was VHS and all that stuff. We didn't even have DVDs, but uh, um, I felt like it was tough, man. You know, if you didn't have a name or a market, you know, people didn't, didn't play at a big school. It was, it was hard to get in front of people. It really was. And I didn't have a lot of money to go out to travel to camps and stuff like that. So I wasn't able really to travel single mom raised. And, and so it was really the schools that were local that um, that came in to, to see me where they really, you know, it's kind of all I really had. So um, it was tough. It really was. It was tough. That's a big piece that you're, touch, that you're just touching on, just like the limited opportunities when, you know, before huddle and all those different things and how coaches came in. How much of a role did your high school coach play in, I guess, sending out your film and things of that nature? You know, it was fantastic. I was very fortunate to be, to to work with him, uh, to have him as my coach because he was able to 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 help finish, help me finish ac- academically strong enough to get into college. You know, what I mean, to become a qualifier Absolutely. and all those things. And you know, he took the time to make sure he knew the rules, he knew uh, the, the GPA standards and and the point system to make sure my GPA got to the point where I was able to get into college, get accepted, earn a scholarship. Um, and all those 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 things. Uh, so I was fortunate, you know. So um, he was fortunate. He, so he was there like on the connecting piece. Right. So on the once the opportunity came and you had that and it was like filling the gaps, he was there to kind of do that. But in terms of, I guess, pushing out, like, I guess, the name of EJ Bartho in the area of Jersey where you're at. Was that something that was kind of big for high schools at that time? Like when you were coming up, like when the guys that did get a lot of offers, like how were they, you know, how were they getting discovered? You know. Back then, it was the it was it was like the record newspaper in NorthJersey.com. That was like the big thing. I was like the big thing. Like if you know, so I think even back then, um, with the the way dynamics are now, I think back then it had probably like I can see why guys went to bigger schools, gotcha, more powerhouses because you had more college coaches walking in there versus being at a smaller school. I think today's day is a little different where technology has changed the recruiting process where you can be at a smaller school and get the attention of a college coach just by using, you know, social media or, uh, you know, uh, uh, huddle links and all that stuff and, 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 and things of that nature. So I think it's, I had a hard time versus going to a small school versus today. I feel like you can really pretty much be anywhere. I want to say, I don't want to say it's easy, but you can, you can really get to college from anywhere and with technology nowadays. 
with the technology, the proper skill set, you know, size, speed, standards, and all those good things, right? Like, oh no, no, that, that was just one part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just one part. That's one that's part of it. That's one, one part. part. Being able to put your film on the on the uh, internet so everybody can see. That's that's, the, that's that's part one. That's one part. One pixel. I got it. I got it. I got you, Coach. So on to the next thing. What did you base your decision on? Because you end up going to Rutgers first, right? So like you had offers. Did you? you Correct me if I'm wrong. You end up walking on the Rutgers. Yeah, so I walked on the Rutgers, earned a scholarship at uh, UMass, transferred my junior year. Okay. Uh, another another coach's staff that recruited me at UMass was at Northeastern at the time. Uh, Don Brown, who's at UMass now. Uh, um, so that was kind of my third year. I left Rutgers, played behind Ray Rice and Brian Leonard, uh, two really great ones. Um, Take me into the decision going into Rutgers. Like, what were you basing your decision on? Do you just feel like? This is where I wanted to go. Do you feel like that was your best opportunity? Yeah, I, I just want to play Division One football. I had FC, I had FCS at the time. I think we called it a one double A when I was playing one double A football. I had one double A scholarships, uh, and I and I wanted to play Division One. And the only Division One school that was really recruiting me was um, uh, was Rutgers, and I felt like that was a place I wanted to go. And, and also, I had a lot of pride in, in being staying home and being around my family and friends. So for me, it was. It was an opportunity. I felt you know the, the competition part. I wasn't scared of. I felt like I'd earned my keep. You know what I mean? And um, didn't work out that way. But I ended up you know uh, being a, I thought I thought a valuable member of the team and, and affecting the team on special teams and um, and, and then moving on to UMass. And uh, I thought it was a, thought the right decision at the time. No, oh, it sounds great. I mean, everybody's journey is different, right? That's why I kind of just preach to these guys. Everybody's football journey is different. It's about using football as a catalyst to get to a career that you can bank on, right? Because now, you know, you're at a successful position and it's like your whole journey kind of lends well to the skills that you get to portray now, even when you're recruiting, right? Being able to see different things, whether it's an academic issue with a player because you understood that, oh, that kid might not be dumb or whatever the case may be, just, you know, it might be a situation to dig into a little bit deeper. So like being able to have those different perspectives is extremely important how it lends well. And so guys can pay attention when they're going through, you know, the football ecosystem is, imperative i mean so, from a to z what you're talking about uh the, those things like for just for example like i was a hardship kid so before you were able to get uh assistance from from schools to travel like there's no way i would have been able to afford a plane ticket home from uh virginia or uh or, or ohio to get to new jersey or, or you know what i mean so like right. for me being close to home was important because I was able to take New Jersey transit, you know, for 10 bucks or whatever it was right to when I needed to get home, you know what I mean? Or so that, that was one factor. And then they also, you know, just having the support of a high school coach who also was around, they were able to, to, to be, get to the school, you know, so that for me being close to home was an asset, you know what I mean? Right. Having that support system being close, like you understood kind of what pillars you were leaning on and which you wanted to be close. And that's, that's a lot of wisdom and actually a lot of, you know, vision that a lot of guys don't see or like, you know, kind of get away from that and see like, right, I need these things to be successful. So like even going into that, when you made that decision, you based it on like the support system, being able to get home. Were you thinking about your post football career? Because it sounded like you were thinking about which you, you were thinking about actually uh, operating in college, which is, I guess, a step further than most guys get to right like what support they need from their parents being able to get home 10 minutes having a coach there and being a new Jer like being a jersey kid and having that pride but like, were you thinking about like post-career post-career plans like did you think that you wanted to be a coach when you were going to college 
Yeah, you know, I, I was fortunate to be around some really good coaches um, at, at Rutgers when um, and at and at, and at UMass. Um, for me personally, you know, without going in too much detail, football was something that uh, that that gave me an opportunity to uh, you know to 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 really to advance in life. You know, what I mean, I, I feel like that's where I learned structure. That's where I learned detail. That's where I learned teamwork. You know, I didn't have uh, that at home. So I was able to, to, to kind of take that from my coaching from high school to Rutgers from UMass. And, and I was able to learn how that affects life and how that, and that that's played a huge part. Always wanting to be a coach has played a huge part uh, is what I got from being a player. I mean, I felt like, you know, like, you know, the big thing, you know, is that affects me is I see myself now diving into players, like how coaches dove into me, you know what I mean? And, and let's call it what it is. I've been around some good coaches. I've been around some bad coaches, right? So um, there's this term, the player coach. You know, I, you know, I don't really know what that means. To me, I feel like everybody's in this business for the development of people in some way or some form. And, you know, the, the, the well-being and the growth of the person is where it starts. So it was like a natural calling for me just to jump into coaching. You know what I mean? Um, definitely makes sense. And, like, thinking about going – like you had the idea that you wanted to be a coach going into school. Did the, you know, did Greg Shannon being the head coach at Rutgers at the time, did that have any pull on you wanting to kind of play there? Or was it just more of the school Rutgers and being home? Um, I think it was a mixture of things. I think it was, it was, it was the pride of New Jersey uh, being a, a in-state kid and being a kid that from New Jersey that, that wanted to, to help build something special. Um, I think that was, that was part of it. Um, Similar to where I'm at at UConn now, um, you know, Connecticut and New, New Jersey, obviously, uh, how close to how close the states are and, and and how connected the states are. Same thing we're kind of building at UConn right now. And there's a sense of pride into building something special. Um, not that UConn has, hasn't had success in the past, but, uh, you know, there's a sense of pride there. There's a sense of accomplishment to go somewhere and start something versus being someone that is kind of just um, – at carrying on tradition, which is also good. That's a good thing too. I mean, you know, but there's, there was a sense of pride in, in helping build something and, and which is why I went uh, to Rutgers and, 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 and this is actually why I'm at, at UConn now uh, that's carried over now, you know, I was just leaving the NFL and people were, you know, questioning why I was leaving the NFL to come into college and, and come back into college. Uh, but there's something special here going on where I can relate to about building, uh, being part, being, being part of something special. That's, that's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Get that on the point. So what was like, I mean, you saw, you said that you had a little bit of struggles going through the recruiting process and you had to grind for everything that you had. Did you have a best part of the recruiting process? I think that was it. I got you. I think that work ethic is carried over into the profession as a coach. Um, The, the game and and, and you know, this as a player, because you've had adversity. um, just like most, most guys have, um, the, having the mental toughness and the will to, to strive through when things are not easy. Right. And, um, and that's just, a, that's not just the football part, right? There's, there's a lot of things that like, you know, that, that, that like that kids go through on a day-to-day basis and, and you know, maybe football is not the most important thing in their life. You know what I mean? And maybe, maybe it's the, they got a family issue or a personal issue or a mental issue or something that's, you know what I mean? The mental right. toughness to strive through and just not give up. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what this whole game is about. That's what they, they teach us from a pop Warner. They teach you from a young age, like about work ethic. You know what I mean? And and and, and so you really touched on that, some that, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go. Go ahead. Go ahead. That struggle is the best part, I feel like. That's 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 very important because it like kind of goes back to what you said, even in your initial your initial uh, advice that you would give is be where you are, right? Because like you're talking about what you took from the recruiting process. So the best part is kind of the worst part. Like with the things that, the stresses that came with it, trying to figure out your thing, not getting the uh, attention from the schools that maybe you wanted to get the attention from and things like that. But like the best part is that it built up a level of alligator skin and mental toughness to be able to go through and prepare yourself to go through the recruiting process. So like that's kind of, I mean, you kind of embody what you said, you kind of, what you take from football. So that's kind of, that's really cool to see and hear that you took that even going through the recruiting process. Cause I always try to tell guys when it's talking about the critical points in football business, the first introduction to that is the recruiting process. Like as soon as you step into a school at 13 years old, that's right. you are in the business. So you can, you can treat it like it's extracurricular or not, but it's you're in it. So it's, <laughs> better it's approach it like that. It's a true, it's, it's to tie this all up and I, I don't want to hold you, but I was, uh, when I would on draft day, obviously I didn't get drafted. I was, you know, I was, I was frustrated. I thought I, thought I tested, like I hurt my senior year at UMass. So I missed a bunch of games, but, um, you know, the next, I think it was the last day, the next day after the draft, Kevin Abrams, uh, Kevin Abrams called me from the giants and they say, listen, we got a, we got a spot here for you. Uh, we, a fullback we brought in, isn't going to make it, you know, we want to, we want to bring you tomorrow. Just, just a story of my life, right? So I'm like, okay, great. So I'm, I'm in there, you know, I'm, I'm working out a mini camp, a rookie mini camp, and I had a big play during camp, whatever. And then uh, Coach Coughlin in the morning, I was like 5 a.m. I was like the first guy up for breakfast. I was, and I see Coach Coughlin come down, and and it's just a funny story because we're talking about it. And he says to me, "Hey, Barthel, where, where, where are you from, man? It was a good catch." And uh, I said, "I'm from across the street from East Rutherford, from Beckton." And he says, they have football? I was just like, <laughs> story of my life, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, man, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he was like, I don't know if he was messing with me or what, probably just messing with me. But it was like, you know, I look back at that story. I look at the journey from being a small school kid having to walk on to now, you know, and to me, it was a big moment at the start of my professional career um, to, to having a guy like Coach Coughlin know me by first name basis. You know what I mean? Like that to me just wrapped it all up. You know what I mean? Like anything is possible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 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 Amen to that. And so that's like perfect into the transition because just talking about, you know, as a going through the recruiting process and then having that full circle moment when you're at the Giants, it's like, yeah, I'm from right here. So now let's just talk about kind of, you know, the, the maturation process to, you know, recruiting and evaluation as a recruiting coordinator, running back coach, and a scout, right? Like your time at Rutgers, your time at Temple, Penn State, uh, the Panthers, and now at UConn. You know, the first thing we talk about the recruiting process is the evaluation aspect of it and just the different things when these guys are going through the recruiting process, understanding like where, like what coaches are looking for and what they can do to position themselves to create those opportunities. So I guess my first question now would be, what's the main trait that catches your attention when you're recruiting and evaluating players? How much time we got? Oh, we got time, coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think it's the I think um and and you know we work together at, at Penn State and, and I think we I mean we've had discussions about this before. I think it's I think it's it's I don't know if it's one thing, but I think it's it's 
whatever your school is or whatever your university is or you know because every school is, has different different needs but it's it's a profile to me you know what i mean it's 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 a it's when a guy meets a profile of your standard of what you're looking for you know that's i think it's a it's a it's a it's 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 a, it's a bunch of things you know what i mean and and it comes down to measurables character back background check um you, you know work ethic uh, uh um, academics and then culture you know what i mean and and for example uh when i was at women mary uh we had a high academic uh a standard um that was a, that was something that i had to deal with when i was at um a, a temple um we were shoes on evaluation right so there's different cultures different programs different needs so it's your profile and that's the most important thing it's the whole profile and it's establishing that profile as a university and as a program that's big that you're saying that because it's like what you're really saying you know for the main trait it'd be is like kind of understanding where you're most valued is kind of what i'm hearing you saying if i'm like a recruit or a parent listening and i'm listening to a coach like what, what you're saying is like you gotta kind of know what what place is looking for you to be honest with you, like, where do you fit? It's not always just like, I want to go to XZ, that's this school, that school, you know, because we put out a, a recruiting checklist to help guys kind of make informed decisions while they're going through it. Like understanding to set yourself up for success is kind of falling into that place that you just mentioned, right? Where it's like you fit into the culture, like the coaches coach you the way that can get the best out of you and all these different things, right? There's special players that no matter where you put them, they'll have, they'll have success. But for the majority of players, 90%, there's a, there's like a thing that there's an area or a culture and different points that, you know, lean well to your development and your success at that university. So that's, that's big that you, you know, even that's what you said is that main trait being, being the best fit for you, no <laughs> to doubt. be honest with you. So to get into the second one, how important are size and speed standards when recruiting? Um. You know, there's two things that that when you say that there's two things that come to mind that you know I think the the the, the profession part of it comes into play there where the, and um, you have the transfer portal and you have um, uh, that the, the long the the job security and longevity of of of, of the profession which the the demand to win quickly um, you know I know it's collegiate athletics but there's a high high demand on, on winning right now. That's a, that's a, that's what everyone uh, it seems where the, the college football and, and NFL football is going nowadays, where um, you don't really see a lot of guys having five plus years at one place. It's very rarely you see that happening nowadays. So um, to answer your question about the measurables, it's extremely important because you may not have the time to develop a young a young man that doesn't have the measurables or that is that has the that needs the growth potential. You know, so again, there's so I think the profession has played, played, a, played a part in this. Um, the, the measurables to me, and even even when we were at Penn State, um, were a priority. You know what I mean? It, it was a priority that we needed to – obviously, we have the whole profile, but the measurable part of it had to be as close as possible as we can as, as we can get it. You know what I mean? Because we got to win right now. You're not, not, not tomorrow. And the guy that, that leaves for the NFL draft um, or – or nowadays, a guy that goes in the portal, or whatever, however the case may be, the next guy in, if he's if he's not ready mentally, he's got to be ready physically, so we can compete. That, 
at the bare minimum to be able to just compete. Like, and that's what sometimes it's good to hear from coaches. Some it's, it's it like hurts feelings sometimes because you know, some size and speed, I mean, the size you can't really do anything about, right. You're born a certain size. And then you have your purple dots that like, what about this guy? He's not this big, but he's, he's performing here. But like understanding that when you're performing at a D one level, size and speed standards matter. And that goes back to what you even said earlier in the interview, just understanding where you fit. Yeah, I mean, if you're like a five, five, seven, or you know, let's just excuse speed. If you're a four, eight guy, a skill guy, you probably power five is probably not the place for you. Yeah, I mean, to be searching right. out offers and things of that nature. But so understanding where your skill set kind of lend, lends well to, because like there's different areas. So like that's incredible feedback from Coach there. Just understanding that size and speed standards do matter, and especially with the new age of like just college football in general, where the transfer portal is a real thing where guys have options of getting developed football players to fill gaps and things of that nature. And so if you have a small, a younger guy or you're recruiting, they have to at least fit the size and speed standards for that, for those, for that particular school that you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes into the, kind of the next question. Cause uh, I mean, what combination of pixels or details do you feel comfortable offering a player a scholarship, for example, GPA, speed, background, film? Well, I think from a, from a measurable standpoint, I think you, you, I'll speak on running backs. Um, I think you set a, a, a range of, of A, B, and C, like here's, here's your grade A, here's your grade B, here's your grade C. I think you have a, a realm of, of, of body types and sizes and, and speed um, that you're looking for. Um, um, you know, and I think you need to to start there. Um, and the second thing is the academic piece, right? So they have to have the measurables. They had then they have to have the academic piece. And they, just because they don't have the academic piece, depending on how old they are, doesn't mean it's over for them, right? It, right. Once you get the academic piece, and if it's if it's great, that's fantastic. If there's some if there's a struggle there, or there's there's some adversity on, on the transcript, or there's some red flags in the transcript, well then. Let's dive into it. Let's see where where it's at, right? Like, you might have a two five GPA. Uh, you may have transferred from school somewhere. A couple grade scales are different, um, or you may be uh, doing a bunch of extracurricular activities and your study time at home. If you're traveling forty five minutes to school. There's a lot of factors that come into the academic piece, and then there's the person that you know that you you get the low GPA and the school absences and and he's, he's not trying hard. And, and the narrator from the high school coach is he has the potential, but doesn't want to put, put the work ethic in, uh, in the study habits. And the teachers mimic that and teachers repeat that. And then, then, then you kind of, you see where, where, where the, where the GPA lies, it, you see the, the truth in the story. So um, I think there's a part, you know, it starts with the measurables, it goes to the academics and then it goes to what we're talking about the culture, right? Does he fit the culture of this, of this program? Does he fit the narrative? Um, what type of kid is he? What what, what kind of uh, lifestyle is he is he around? What are his parents like? Um, if he doesn't have parents, then who, who's the who's the champion in the life? Who's the most important? Who's teaching him? You know, there's things that um, so that you have to dive into. It's not just one thing. So I think it's measurables, academics, and then it goes into the background. When I say background, I mean good or bad kid. I'm saying who are they as a as a person, and does that person fit here, right? That's, that's the key. Does that person fit here? And, and as a coach, you look at your locker room, you look what your, your DNA is, you look what your standard is. 
um, what your profile is, do they fit that? Right? Are they going to be able to to have success there and be comfortable there so they can grow? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because that's 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 just big when you're de- dealing with. I can just talk about the different pixels and you're getting the evaluation because I'm always trying to appreciate guys. You know, they're always like, what do I need to do to get an offer? Like I did this, I did that. I'm like, well, what, what about, you know, but you're only this big or you, what about your film or what about this other thing? And so that goes into like kind of the next question where we just talk about the opportunity to fill in as many pixels for a coach as possible. I always try to say is for them to get to camps, right? Like, so from your perspective, if someone that's evaluating your, you know, you pay your salary, you keep your lights on based on how you coach and how you evaluate players, how important is a camp performance to a kid's chances playing at a power five university? You know, I think it's, I think it's personally, I think it's from a recruiting standpoint and evaluation standpoint. um, I think it's fantastic to be able to work with the kid. Not only do you see what he's capable of doing, you have a chance to work with them and coach them, right? And, you know, we go back to be where your feet are and we go back to um, the process. Yeah, a lot of these kids, there's a lot of topics to cover here. A lot of these kids um, don't do their part in recruiting the school. So you may, like you said, you may be a 4A kid and you know you're a 4A kid and you don't, and I'm just using, you know, whatever school. You, don't, you, you, you go to Notre Dame's camp and you forgot about all of the Division II camps, and you didn't reach out to any Division II coaches to make sure that they were at camps, and you spent 100-something bucks going to Notre Dame and, and having your parents get hotels, and you run a 4 40 yard dash, and you have these hopes of getting to an elite status or an elite place and a scholarship offer when you're not being where your feet are. You know what I mean? You're not – you're not max, ma- maximizing your opportunities of where you should be. I'm not saying 4A kids can't go play Division One football. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying take your options and and, and and take your your opportunities and 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 really look at the places that you fit. Find them schools. They're going to come find you, but also you do your work and find the schools and find those camp dates. Find those uh, uh, unofficial visits. Um, don't limit yourself to just going to. Uh, um, um, right to the SEC when you just started playing varsity football. Right. You know what I mean? Like be where your feet are. You got to grow. You got to, you got to dominate with what you're doing and then move forward. You can't skip steps. And that, that's, that's important. That kind of brings us to our next question. Now, would you say that aspect of guys not being where their feet are, having a, maybe a lack of awareness of where kind of their best position to be? Is that one of the most costly mistakes that you see prospects making going through the recruiting process? Process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I see, I see a lot of guys, I see a lot of guys that um, either don't go to camps or they are looking for offers and um, let's call it what it is. The offer nowadays is different than what it was when we played. Um, you know, I think to be fair, I think the offer nowadays really is a public notification that you're being recruited gotcha. for being 100% honest. That's really yeah. what it's come down to. I think it's been set by the bigger schools where they've come in and they've said, Hey, you're gonna, we're gonna offer you a scholarship, and then if it doesn't work out, we're, we're able to not take you somehow, some way. Um, that that affects everyone. Now you, you're a kid that's a borderline kid. You may have a huge offer on the table, and you may not go to a smaller school camp because you feel as you've gotten this 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 um, misconception that you're um, this type of player um, because of the way the profession has, has, has went. 
and um, you've, you've missed out on opportunities to, to get out in front of a smaller school or staff that would that would really like to have you because you didn't get a chance to go to their camp and get a chance to work with them. And so it's 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 because it's, it's a real thing now. Those are some important pieces where guys kind of miss opportunities, like you're saying, from just having a lack of awareness and kind of missing like where their feet are or where there's best position to have success, like moving forward. So that kind of just going into the next question where you're just talking about the evaluation process. You spoke on it a little earlier about the family when you're versus the size speed standards and you know what the film looks like, the GPA, and then kind of the upbringing, who's the champion in the home. The next question was how does a family – how does the kid's family go into the evaluation process? If you can touch on that a little bit, just on the support system that's kind of around the prospect, how does that go into, you know, the evaluation board for coaches? Well, you know, the best part about the recruiting process for me is usually um, the official visit and the home visit, because you get a real chance to see um, what the household is like and what the kids are like, right? The reality is you're getting kids at 17, 18 years old, and they've been doing something for 17, 18 years. And to think that you as a coach can change that because of you're a guru in something um, is very strange to me. You know what I mean? I think that knowing who they are as people is a really important thing, good and bad. Um, Can you work with it? Can you fix it? Is it a strength? Um, what's the what's what's their standard in their household? If their standard in the household doesn't fit your standard as a as a as a as a prospect, well, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And is this something that we can overcome, or is this something that we're need to be concerned with when you get here? Is this something we need to move away from? Right. So I think um, the 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 whole piece of the picture is really important. Seeing how someone's raised or not raised is 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 really important because not everyone everyone has different situations and everyone different journeys. Some are strengths, some are weaknesses. It's case by case basis, and you have to affect those those prospects that way. As a coaching staff, we can't base one scenario on a whole another family because it was similar scenario. You know, I mean each each case has to be treated differently. And you have to really take the time and the effort to dissect what's going on in the household, good and bad. Um, you know, uh, dual parent, single parent, uh, brothers being raised. To me, sometimes just just seeing how I am, I, I look at sometimes being a, a kid that has lack of resources or a hardship kid as a strength. You know what I mean? I think that I look at kid that, that were situations myself. This kid has 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 a great GPA. He's doing everything right. There's not a bad, not a person in the school that says anything bad about him. He comes to camp. He works his tail off. Works off in the works. Works in the weight room. Runs well. I mean, he's doing it all by himself. To me, being a single parent kid is a strength. You know, that's that's big that you say that because I always have a, a you know I always feel away when character is so big on the on the evaluation on the evaluation totem pole, but not because of character, but like. Okay, what's what's the definition of character from this person, right? Because like sometimes people like kind of what you're saying, like that hardship aspect of character. Sometimes some people evaluators look at character like squeaky clean, squeaky clean back background, right? Like Tim Tebow, great character, and it's just like well, that's that's a range because they kind of set up people for failure if like they're just not perfect in your eyes. 
That's if right. you don't reach this level of character, I'm like, well, characters going through, you know, hardships, going through, you know, obstacles and staying up on top and like, you know, somebody coming from this situation with a two, four, this, that, and the third is a lot different than, you know, the that's perfect house. Like, what are we, what, what's the definition of character? So that's, that's big that you talked about that, that scope and like clarifying, you know, what is the character aspect? Cause you can be the best at where you're at. And cause I tell families when they're going on visits, you know, be on your best behavior. Like you're representing your family, not you are a part of the process. Like you're looking, you're, you're having a reflection, you know, on your kid. Cause sometimes they put, sometimes some parents, some families, you know, you go around and traveling for your kid and going to camps and you want them to get that opportunity for the scholarship as well. So sometimes there's added pressure. And then next thing you know, you're acting crazy and you're messing up the offer. Like he's a borderline kid. And the coach is like, I'm not dealing with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I don't want to get into too much personal, too many people's personal stuff, but <laughs> this is important because I think that this is a good point. I've been around two people in my, in, in my career recently that have been more, two of the more most competitive humans I've ever been around. I've got a chance to be assistant running backs at Carolina and coach uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I got a chance to me and you and, and, and coach Franklin at Penn state and, and a bunch of other guys on staff got a chance to recruit uh, Micah Parsons at, at Penn state. Um, those two guys to me were some of the most competitive football players I've ever had a chance to work with, be around a recruit. And they are from two different backgrounds. <laughs> you see what I'm <laughs> two different backgrounds and so to 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 our point what we're saying the character part of it um it's it's case by case you know what i mean like <laughs> completely you know so that's 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 great that's a great insight man i think a lot of people get some value from just that synopsis of you know just the character and where people are on that scale because that kind of gets to like the next point where we're talking about when guys get up when guys receive offers or when you decide to offer offer a scholarship, right? I think one of the more impressive things that you used to do is being able to evaluate players on a speed, at like a very high rate and accurate, right? At an accurate level. So I would just tell a quick story with like, EJ would go through a board, you know, like eval in the next uh, class of, you know, whether it's freshman or sophomore uh, guys in the country and he'll just be like after like a seven hour day of pounding film and eating seeds and listening to all types of music he'll have a whole board you know on the thing and then like six months later you'll see like the next top guys it's like oh they're most of them are up on ej's board so when you're talking about that he's like offer this guy you know a lot of times guys might have two two film clips or whatever the case may be what makes you feel comfortable about offering go through like the sliding scale of offering like a ninth grader a tenth grader eleventh grader and twelfth grader like you know, the ninth grader obviously is elite. So like, what, like, what do you need to see to feel comfortable offering young to older prospects? Yeah. You know, I was able to, you know, I've, I've always known I wanted to be a, a football coach and I have aspirations to be head football coach one day. Um, and I always thought about how, like, looked at my career and how did, how did I get here? So the first thing I, you know, I wanted to do was I wanted to learn like the body, right. I wanted to, so I trained guys in high school and I wanted to see like, what like uh, how 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 the human body works, and what is the difference between a guy that that has upside and development and a guy that doesn't, right? So I think seeing the different types of body, the different types of positions, the different types of uh, flexibility, uh, flexibility ability, and, and things of that nature, um, as a trainer, as a trainer was an asset. 
right? And then being a high school football coach and being around development, you know, being around um, kids and coaching kids, and as they grow and as their mind grows and their maturity grows, that was another asset. And then um, I got into the evaluation world where I used to work with camp evaluations, and I would travel um, and go to high school prospects and you know look at guys like Saquon Barkley and things of that nature in their young age, young at a young age, and and see like this guy is going to be special because I've worked with this guy before and he does this better than this guy did at 17. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, you know, and then you get into the college and then you have to learn the, the structure of evaluation. Like the head coach wants something, the coordinators want something, um, the AD wants something and how does that all work? Right. So there was a certain path I took to the evaluation. I say that to say this, just like coaching, it takes time to learn how to evaluate. I think a lot of young coaches, they think they can just do it, you know, and some can, right. Some have the gift, but yeah. it's a process. You know what I mean? And and you have to really have to take it your time and, and experience. You're going to have some, some failure. You're going to have some success, but you have to really develop your eyes and develop your, like you said, we built the profile, developing an experience of knowing exactly what you're looking for in specific drills, what you're looking for on tape, what you're looking for out of each position. What's excuse me, I'm sorry. What's a strength? Excuse me, sorry. What's a strength? What's a weakness? What's a strength? What's a weakness? What's a coachable fix? What's not a coachable fix? So if 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 for me as a young coach, I'm still a young coach, I'd say I'm 36, but as a young coach coming in, you know, to think that I have all the answers and evaluation, that's very arrogant. You want it. It's a process you have to learn on what you're looking for, um, how to look for it, what drills you need to see, um, what are the measurables, what are the position standards. There's a lot of things that go into play. Absolutely, man. That, that's we're gonna take a quick break because you kind of lead into the next topic, which will be the transition, like your transition out of the game. So we got a quick little read, which will be an LIG read because that's kind of the topics that we that we touch on. So we'll just take a quick break. LIG Sports Group, we master the business of Critical Point Football, which is a football ops strategy and consulting firm where our mission is to equip our clients with the intel guidance and strategy to master the critical points in the business of football. LIG Solutions equip clients with an in-depth understanding and most of the most critical aspects of the business in football, maximizing opportunities for success, advancement, and longevity. So the main thing with, you know, the blueprint to success and the blue chip Academy is just making sure that you're a desirable asset all the way through the ecosystem. So as we go through these interview series, understanding that you're just taking the stories of everybody that's kind of gone through and use this football ecosystem as a catalyst. So as we go into uh, the critical insights and, and the gap years and, and transition time for Coach uh, Barthel. Just pay attention to the different things that you know paid attention to going through that transition. And um, we're back in. Yeah, yeah. I'm back at it. So we're just going to talk about like the transition. It's always like a tough time, man. We're talking about all this good stuff. We're recruiting a lot of valuable gems that you're dropping for upcoming coaches, for players going through the process, for, you know, head coach, coaches all over the place. So how was the transition from the game for you? From when you were leaving the field, not, you know, onto like the training or the coaching, but just when you decided to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done playing football. How was that? 
It's tough. You know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a new world. You ha- I had to learn how to adjust in, um, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I talk about when I'm recruiting a prospect now is, um, you know, make sure if football doesn't work out for you, you have a backup plan. Um, luckily for me, I knew I wanted to coach. So I dove right into coaching, but there was a small time, small time appear when I, after I got hurt and my professional career was over, um, where I didn't really know what was next for me. You know, I didn't spend the time of, like we talked about earlier, being where your feet are, um, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, okay. uh, being where your feet are. Being where your feet are and um, not being prepared for life when it hits you. You know what I mean? And um, Like I left school early to go train. I had uh, one semester uh, to finish and I, I, I just kept on. So oh, I'll do it next semester. I'll do it next semester. And then the life catches up to you. Next, next thing you know, it's 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 a huge deal to try to go back to school to finish. You know what I mean? Um, that, so I think being prepared uh, was the toughest part. Uh, of, of I know I wanted to coach, be a coach, didn't know how to get there, um, had no plan, just kind of, you know, got lucky and fortunate by trial and error. Well, that's a big thing that we talk about here is just having a blue chip blueprint and understanding, like when we talk about that, it's, it's getting to school, but it's like leaving school, getting transitioned out of the game into the workforce, into seamless careers that you can work through from football, right? Like there's a lot of things that you picked up going through from your recruiting process, from playing, from coaching that all lend well to where you're at now. So like, even when you talk about, you know, having a, a backup plan, I like to tell guys, you need to have an acceleration plan where it's like, you have a plan at the end where it's like everything that you're going through, like you're stepping the gas kind of to end, to incorporate what you were saying, be where your feet are. So like, you don't even have to worry about, you know, falling back because like, I know I'm pressing the gas and getting all these things that I want to do from being at this school, being in this culture, being in this thing and, you know, understanding that being a desirable asset through each part. So those how to's and those specific tactical skills to maneuver the ecosystem are a little, just a little bit easier than, you know, us kind of figuring our way out. So that's, that's, I mean, that's big on that aspect. So you talked about a little earlier, just training guys, your first transition jobs did you get straight into training or was it anything else in between there well uh, i knew i wanted to coach i knew i wanted to do all that stuff i didn't know how to get there so i i, I was still playing pro and i was trying to come back from rehab i had a, a, a hernia issue a, a groin a tear issue um but i would always work out at the field uh down on at, uh, route 17 down at riggins field in east Rutherford, and um you know one kid would show up and work out with me one high school kid and then two high school kids would show up. And then next thing you know, I got 10, 15 kids coming to work out with me because they just wanted to work out with me. And I realized that there's a need for this. You know what I mean? There was a need to, to go like what I've been through as a player to dive in back into the kids and show them, you know, how, what training is all about and how to train properly. And next thing you know, I'm coaching my own little group of guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it just kind of naturally happened. I had, you know, 15, 25, 30, 40, 50 guys showing up at workouts and I'm like, man, I got to get like a facility for these cats, man. So right. um, that's kind of how it started. I just, you know, it, it started organically. I found a, a warehouse and a gym and I rented out the space and worked with one athlete, you know, guys like Mika Fitzpatrick. And since he's like, you know, just diving into him, pouring my, you know, my experience into him and next kid comes, next kid comes. And then next thing you know, we got, 
you know, 15, 20 division one, you know, players, draft picks, and not because of uh, uh, like, you know, we're special, but those kids all worked, right. You know, they all worked. They all, they all were dedicated. They showed up, you know, so I think, um, I think the transition part, uh, uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think no, no, that's part, good. Yeah. I think it was great. You know, I mean, I, like that's, that's a blessing that you fell into your trans, like your transition kind of organically came together when you're working out and it's like guys started coming up to work out and things like that. Because I know for a lot of guys, when they're working out, they're like, the last thing they want to see is a high school kid come around them. Like, Hey, what are you doing? It's like, Oh, I'm trying to work out. You know what I mean? Like some guys might reject that. So the fact that you leaned into it and started, you know, training, and then you got into like the entrepreneurial aspect and training guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, you got like guys like, you know, Rashawn Gary, and then you're evaluating, you kind of fall into your passion and led your way into, you know, into college sports, which is a really a cool transition story. Cause you kind of like, you were going based on what you've been saying is a consistent is like being where you're being where your feet are. Sure. Right. Like That's you're right. working out, these guys come and now we got it. Now we got a gym. That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty cool transition story. I didn't realize that's how it, that's how it all started. So as that transition is coming together, you're, you're like, all right, I, I think I got something here. I can wrap this up into being a business or something of that nature. What attributes or blue trip traits did you lean on from your playing days to help you like figure that aspect out? I think the work ethic part, well, I try to dive into all the kids I work with. Um, I think for me, um, I was always a guy that was looking forward and not really um, just what we keep talking about. It's the same thing, being where my feet were and just, um, you know, it, it felt like I left school early and, 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 and transferred because I wasn't getting what I wanted versus waiting my time. And um, it's always been like I've always had this. I got to jump forward, jump forward. And then um, and I realized how hard my, you know, my professional, how the journey was for me. Um you know, I really wanted to, to to put the emphasis on the kids I worked with and the coach and were coaching about just dot, like being great right now. Right. Develop, develop, get strong, uh, become explosive, uh, work on your craft. Um, I mean, literally just would have all, all those kids working. You know, like it, it's it's just those kids had some of some some of the elite work. You guys like Ahmad Bradshaw and, and Victor Cruz would walk in the gym. And you got kids like Minka Fitzpatrick and Rashawn Gary and eighth graders. Like, what are these little kids? man? He's got wait to run with me. <laughs> you know I mean? Exposure, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, so um, you know, it's it's even just you know, I was talking to my nephew on Thanksgiving, and, and uh, he's 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 fortunate to be a part of this whole process since he's a baby. Uh, he's playing uh, high school football now, um, but. You know, it's just it's, it's it's it was pretty special to watch the growth of all these young men and how they developed in and their mindsets, not just not just the physical attributes, but it's 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 really impressive when like a young kid is working out next to a pro athlete and he sees like what that guy's doing. And you're like, man, I got to do that. Like that's I got to show up tomorrow and get better because I ain't bet. I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? like, that, that's that's big. And you're like touching on some real key points because like everyone doesn't have that exposure, right? When they when guys come in, it's like this gym here or like this superstar athlete working out. Like this is these are the drills that you're seeing. And you're naming players. I'm sure you've seen players with talent, but you you're naming like Jabril Pepper or Sean Garrett. You're like these are first round draft picks. And did you see anything in their mentalities when they were at that first critical point in football that was a little different than other players, like from a trainer standpoint? You know, 
the one thing that all those guys that I worked with back in those in those days had had in common, um, all of them, you know, from from even the ones that didn't get drafted their first round, the ones that went and played college football, Division One, guys like Stephen Longa, you know, Jarek Martano, a bunch of guys. Right. Um, the one thing that they had in common is, I think the the program brought this to them as uh, they were, they were elite workers. You know what I mean? Like they like Jabril peppers. It was one of the hardest working kids, but he was, when he got in the weight room, it was work time. Like that kid knew, you know what I mean? Like right. making Fitzpatrick was all business. Like there was no, like these guys were like at a young age were just driven. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, there's a difference about tweeting about like what you're trying to do or blessed to receive offers and all that nonsense. That that's a great, that's up, not, not nonsense. Great. But <laughs> to, to, to put that work ethic in, you know what I mean? And, and I remember we had this conversation, me and you, uh, you know, about Micah Parsons when we were recruiting him. Um, I think he was the punter, the kicker, Hunter kicker, <laughs> kicker. I mean, they're up by 40 points and this guy's running out, kicking, the kicking kickoffs. I mean, <laughs> there's something to be said about that. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a work ethic part that these young guys had um, that is consistent across the board. I think it's a, it's a gift that I, I smile and cheese when you, like when I hear, you know, trainers that get close to players at that age and you see the mentality of the players at that age, right. You get to see them go through the process and match you know, hit maturate to where they at, where they are now. And, you know, I, I mean, I think about Mike, I think about Pat, I think about, uh, you know, Dafe and you just, you know, even the guys that are at Penn state now, you know, you know Brisker's leaving this year and just seeing, like the mentality that stays intact is like, all right, that's the thing. They have all these things. Like, let's see if that stays in and it kicks in, you know, and they use this thing as a catalyst and they get to that next critical point and, you know, set up their families and all that stuff. It's like, it's pretty wild when you think about it. So that's, I, I love to hear that those stories about guys um, when they're first getting started into the serious aspect of the football ecosystem. So now we're just going to get to your current aspect is the, you know, running back coach at, at UConn. Uh, and how you got there. You got there from a different standpoint, right? He came in from an entrepreneurial standpoint of uh, recruiting, not recruiting, but training guys off the field from a lead standpoint, showing your talent management skills. Mm -hmm. And then you came in the college in an off the field role, recruiting, recruiting coordinator, doing the personnel thing, going to the NFL and personnel. And then you transition uh, to the, on the field, uh, on the field role. And everyone that doesn't know, like when you're trying to get into on like a coaching role on the field, sometimes, you know, people might use off the field roles to get close and kind of maneuver. As you heard from EJ's story, it was kind of a natural progression the whole way through as a, you know, a multifaceted, you know, football person, a multifaceted view on the football ecosystem kind of worked that he can, you know, maneuver those different areas. But we're getting into, you know, just being a coach and transitioning off the field. What's the ideal personality type or player that would lend well to following your post-career path to a position coach that you are now? Um, I think I'm answering this right. So um, if I'm not, just just, just cut me off. Uh, I think, um, you know, the one thing I got from Coach Rule, uh, working under Coach Rule, um, was you have to you have to go out and do it. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, you have to go do it. You can't be concerned with uh, at what level it is or what, what, uh, 
how much money you make or how big the college is or how if you know if you're a high school player like what division what conference are they like you got to just go do it you know what i mean like like you have to you know when i was when we were working together in the personnel at, at penn state and, and a couple of places have reached out to me and i was like, man i can go make some money doing this and go maybe go into this and but i wanted to coach and so like dive into coaching you know what i mean like go attack it didn't matter what level i went to went left penn state went to albany you know what i mean it didn't really i didn't really get concerned about um you know uh who or the what but more so the how like how am i going to get to where i'm going next and so if i had advice for young coaches uh, it would be to go do it you know what i mean like you can't wait for someone to to and i think you actually when i when i when i Talk to you about leaving Penn State um, for the next step. You know, you you kind of you you kind of agreed. I remember having that conversation in the hallway with you um, after I got done talking to uh, Coach Franklin, and, and you said uh, it's the right move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to go. You know what I mean? Like go do it, and you can't be afraid of what of, of what's gonna um, what's next. You can't be afraid of, uh, of what if this happens or if I go there and it's like if you have that mindset, then you're, you're set up for failure. So you got to go do it and you're going to learn so much by just diving in and getting hands on and not cons- not being concerned about what's next, but the next thing, like just what is coming at me next. That's Matt master that, right? Go be the best running back coach. You can be at the next place you can be and like, um, and, and I look at UConn now as, 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 you know, kind of built for this, this role, you know what I mean? Like, Built for this role, I've experienced a lot to get here to, uh, to at this point. Um, it was a natural fit for me to get here. Uh, the the school is very familiar with where with with who I am as a person. Um, the university is is a great great place for for any any uh, a student athlete that wants to be part of something special and have a chance to to have success with with the alumni basis and the academic. Uh, resources that the school has. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic opportunity. But going going back to you, the focus of your question is, um, go do it. That would be my advice to a young coach. Just you got to get it. Got to go after it. So for young coaches, being relentless about their aspirations and making those sacrifices to go because you have to move, have to do those different type of things, and then just transition a little bit younger. For what about the player? You know, when you were a player, you said you wanted to you wanted to coach. What what's the What's the ideal personality type of a, a player that wanted to follow your career path? Like what type of player, what should a player do? Like that's maybe at UConn that's like, man, I want to be a coach like, you know, Coach EJ. And I don't know exactly what to do. Like what can players do that want to coach after ball do right now and be where their feet are? Um, I think oh, that man. they have to really decide on uh, what they want to do. They want to be a strength coach. They want to be a offensive coach, a defensive coach, a head coach, a coordinator, um, a personnel guy. I think they have to really kind of see what they want to do, um, have a plan. You know, you can't just take job to job and and, 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 and look to jump all over the place. Have a plan. Master your craft, right? So, like, um, if you want to be in player development and you want to get an operational and get a job in operations, that's the lane you got to stay in. And you got to master that lane. Once you master it, then you can move on to the next thing. But I see a lot of young guys, a lot of young players that want to transition. 
they want to jump to being a division one football coach or jump to being an NFL coach or try to get internships and all that stuff without like having the bare roots of the foundation of whatever, whatever it is they're trying to do. So if you want to go to be a, a, a running back coach at, at, in college after a player, well then go coach at high school and learn the run game. You know, you know what I mean? Like you can't I see a lot of young guys skipping parts, just trying to get a job. Well, if you're just trying to get a job, you're going to have a hard time getting jobs because you're not mastering your craft. So true. That's so true. Mastering your craft is, keeps you valuable, keeps you as that desirable asset. We talk about at Blue Chip Academy as being that desirable asset at each step because it changes, right? Like from being bringing value to the football program as a recruiting coordinator is completely different than bringing value as a running back coach. You know what I mean? Like there's a level of when you're the recruiting coordinator, you talk about a little, a little bit of things of that where you can, for someone maybe that's in a recruiting department right now that wants to eventually get on the field, how can they show value to the coaching staff that maybe they're ready for that step? I think to take the time out when, on their free time to, to, to do football, Right. A lot of a lot of you guys uh, like to they they think that because they can recruit that they should be a coach, right? So, oh, I've recruited this guy, so now I should be a coach. I, was, I even myself at one point I thought that that was it for me. I thought maybe oh well, I recruit all these great players now. I'm, now I should be a coach. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a matter of spending the time and effort to when you on your free time after you've done your uh, your job on your own personal time. Um, spending that time with, with with the with the coaching staff and studying film, and studying schemes and understanding technique and understanding, you know, we talked about how to become a good evaluator. It's the same thing with on the other side. Like it starts with it starts with just the basics, mastering the basics. I talk, I forgot which NFL coach it was. I talked. I think it was um, Leslie Frazier at the Buffalo Bills. I had a um, I had a, uh, a call with him. I met him at the combine, and and he said to me. Uh, Give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about your career. And I got in a half hour conversation with him um, about what to expect at going my first year going in the NFL. And I was really nervous. And he said to me, he said, you know, some of the best coaches in the world forget about the basics. So you need, as a young coach, master the basics. If you can master the basics, you'll get everything else. Hand placement, aiming points. Uh, leverage, uh, tackling, like the basics. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. Forget about uh, uh, oh, what are we going to see if we got three strong. What are we got like three by one, two by two. Forget all that stuff. Like we have to tackle well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How do you tackle great? You know what I mean? Like this. What is what does hand placement mean? You know what I mean? Like focus on the basics. And uh, so for for any guys, young personnel guys that want to get into coaching or young coaching guys that that need to learn how to evaluate i think you got to spend the time and and find the time to learn and grow in those specific areas be where your be where your feet are be where, <laughs> be where your feet is i don't know if it's proper grammar whatever the case may be but like that's that's on that's on point man like i i completely agree like just making sure you take full advantage of where you are in that journey and taking it in and having the faith that that you can use those steps and it catapults you and puts, you know, some gas in that engine moving forward. So, man, you've already done so much, you know, in the football ecosystem and your football journey is dynamic and you've made some changes, kept leaning in to your passions, which is amazing to hear from college coaches nowadays. What's your career end goal? Um, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate to work with 
some special players and some special head coaches and, and assistant coaches in a, in a short career um, in the last seven years. Uh, when short, depending on who you're talking to. Um, but, uh, um, you know, Mike London, Matt Rule, uh, Kyle Flood, uh, um, James Franklin, um, Sean Spencer, and, and now Jim Mora. Um, I mean, your dad, T- Terry Smith. I mean, there's so many great coaches that I got a chance to take. I got a chance to be around some really great pick up small pieces from each one of these coaches and and create my own belief system, my own my own uh, structure um, throughout all these guys. You know what I mean? And, and um, you know, it's 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 been really I've been really fortunate to learn from these guys. You know, ultimately, I want to be head football coach, and I have a lot, 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 lot to learn still. But um, you know, I think that I've been I've been groomed up by some really great people. I'm very fortunate uh, to have that opportunity. Um, and man, that was great, man. Thanks for thanks for that and all the information through the whole your whole football journey, man. Be where your feet be where your feet are. Right at the end of the day, make sure that where you're going through, whether you're in the recruiting process, you're a player in college going to the NFL, looking for that second contract, a coach moving up, a recruiting coordinator, be where your feet are, you know, make sure that you're taking the critical insights and the tactical knowledge that you're where you're at and fulfilling the journey that you're going on. So thank you, EJ, for joining us today for the Blueprint to Success interview series. So at the end of the day, like, subscribe this video as we continue to move forward. You can download the recruiting checklist. Um, I will be in the link below. And Thanks again for joining. Um, I'll be I'll be your host, Justin King, and this was that ep- your episode of Blueprint to Success. I appreciate you having me, man, and and it's really this is a really special platform. I'm very grateful to be on it, man, and just watching your your journey as well, watching you you grow from taking different challenges as a high school player, college player, pro player, a, a businessman to now personnel administration operation i mean the sky's the limit for you i think this is a fantastic thing you got going on here and just happy to be part of it man and thank you man good luck the rest of the way the whole way through man thank you and we'll check in thank you for tuning in to this episode of blue chip academy to help navigate the recruiting waters lig sports group put together a blue chip recruiting checklist Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.